0: Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Hey everybody, welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online, wherever you are in the world, all of us here at Frisco East. How many feeling good today, ready for God's word? Man, I'm feeling good. I'm excited. Hey, two things, two things. Last uh, Yesterday, we... uh, remembered 9-11 20 years ago. It's crazy. It has been 20 years, and I just want to say uh, and encourage you in a few ways. Um, Number one, uh, praying for the families of those who lost a loved one in those tragic events, the Pentagon, Pennsylvania, and New York, as well as other tragedies, obviously, has been so many but specifically on 9-11, pray for those families. There's there's an empty chair every Christmas, every birthday, every Thanksgiving, and if you've ever lost somebody, you know. And so pray for them. Number two, pray for our country, pray for our leaders. And I encourage you, I'm not being a smart aleck, I I really am encouraging you, and I really do believe this, that if you'd pray as much as you post, (laughs) how much better would the world be do you believe in, do we believe in prayer? Well, let's do that more than we're doing other things, complaining or, or posting. Let's pray for our leaders. Pray for president. Pray for the Congress. Pray for leaders of the world. Pray. And then number three, pray for our enemies. You know, I know this is sound, it sounds counterintuitive to do that, but Jesus told us to pray for your enemies. And, and I'm praying that God would get a hold of their hearts, that he would reveal his love in such a way that they could not resist, maybe through dreams, maybe through his word, in, in a variety of ways that God would reveal in many parts of our world that is non-believing, hostile per- perhaps to him, and then uh, to us, that they would come to Christ. So um, the, the second thing is we're in a series, and if you're just now joining us, your book, is a series all about the Exodus in the Old Testament. You have Genesis, the book of Genesis, then you have Exodus, and it's an exit of the people of Israel out of Egypt into the Promised Land. Okay, so that would be Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, okay? Numbers, Deuteronomy. So um, that's the the yearbook uh, theme. We're looking at that journey, and we're kind of playing off a yearbook experience of of uh, their lives and their journey. And so this week, if you don't follow us on social media, on the screens there are uh, uh, the addresses of, w- of where we're at. want you to follow, the, the team asked me to ask you to follow them, they've got some special polls they're doing this week, and uh, want you to pay attention to that, and they're gonna do some pictures, I don't know what they're doing, but um, if you don't follow, if you're on social media, then, then follow us, would you? Now, your book, um, over the last, week, last week, we started, and I talked about least likely to succeed in the yearbook uh, of Exodus, the least likely to succeed, and that would be Moses. Um, Based on his history, based on his experience and his failure, uh, we talked about three things. We talked about God does some of his best work in the deserts of our lives, and you may be going or walking through a desert, a time in which, a season in which it's very difficult, very painful, very challenging. Maybe it's something you did. Maybe it's just something that happened. But you are walking through, if you will allow the Lord in those desert times, he will do something in you that will strengthen you rather than force you away. The second thing we talked about is that maybe he's going to ask you to do something that only you can do. Maybe there are some things in which he's calling you and I to do that only we can do. You're a parent, you're a grandparent, you live in your neighborhood, you're a coworker. Only you have your life. And he may be asking you to do some things that you cannot do. And then we talked about past failure does not exclude us from God's future success. We've all fallen short. We have all sinned and fallen short. So, so when we understand that, and I think the church in general um, has done a poor job at helping people res- be restored. We do a great job, pastors and priests do a great job telling you what you're doing wrong, all the while as if we don't do anything wrong, all the while as if we have the handle on everything and you should listen to us because, no, it's just not like that. We are all in this together, and the church, I think, has somewhat done a poor job in expressing the grace of God. It doesn't give us a license to sin. It doesn't... Uh, you know, push under the rug or shove under the rug things in our life. No, it just means that there are all of us have sinned, all of us have failed, so let's get up and let's see what God will do with us in spite of our failure. Today, today, I want to talk field trip gone bad. How many remember field trips in elementary school? The, I mean, man, I look so forward to those field trips Man, I, was, I grew up in the Rio Grande Valley in Harlingen. Uh, I went to Austin Elementary and every year we'd go to the zoo, Gladys Porter Zoo in Brownsville, Texas. I loved going to the zoo. I mean, it was just one of the highlights of my, of my year at school because it's God's will to be out of the classroom, not doing work. Sorry, teachers. It, you just know it to be true because you like it too. Going somewhere, we went to Harlingen Waterworks and toured that plant. We went to Buttercrust where they make bread. My friend Mark McGurk, his dad, Mark, if you're watching, I love you, bud, um, his dad worked for Buttercrust. We toured that plant. I mean, all those things. I loved field trips. Have you ever been on a trip, not just a field trip, but have you ever been on a trip that went bad? I mean, just you're, you're on, a, on a, 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 you know, a road trip with your family, and it is one disaster after another. It's like the movie RV. I mean, it's like, this is terrible. This summer, I had one of those trips. I know you get sick of me talking about the motorcycle trips and motorcycles because you know whatever, just don't, send me an email, just send me an email on that. <laughs> I love to get those. Um, but this summer, no, not, this is not about the motorcycle, but this summer uh, I was going on one of those trips, going to California, and I, I'll make a very long story short, but in the first day and a half, we had three flat tires on the trailer, found out that we had a bent axle on the trailer, and, we had to stop six hours short of our destination, leave a trailer there, drive six hours to where we were going to, to drop the other bikes off, come back with that trailer to get the other bikes that were on the broken-down trailer, drive six hours. It was a disaster. It was not God's will. And I wish I could say that I handled it with peace and I handled it with grace, and I didn't say any words that that, were, uh, that I wasn't ta- no I'm no. I may or may not have. I'll let you decide about that. But it was awful, okay? Frustrating to I'll get out. You ever been on one of those? The story of the Exodus, that journey, we're going to look at four events that were very challenging. We're going to look at four events that when we look back at their lives, it's easy to go, wow, those people, what was with them? Dumb rebellious, stubborn, but what we're going to see through their conflict, through their challenges, through their victories, through their rebellion, through their idolatry, through their forgiveness, through their whatever battles, we're going to see, listen, an overlay of their story with ours because it is very similar. Our journey, our field trip of life is very similar to theirs. So, I want to tackle four events that ha- happen in successive order. I mean, they are one after the other in the book of Exodus, and how their lives match up with ours. And before we judge them, let's take a look at our own lives. The first event is this the Red Sea Challenge. Now, this is going to be about the miracles that we need in our lives because we all here in our lives, face challenges. And there are some challenges that you cannot control. The outcome, there are some things that you and of yourself, as much money as you may have, as much resources as you may have, as many friends as you may have, connections you may have, there are some things that you and I cannot control. And unless God comes through with a miracle type thing, it doesn't happen. Their story in this first event is just like that. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. Let's look. As Pharaoh approached, so let me backstory. Pharaoh's army, remember they let people go, the plagues, and, and so they said, okay, you guys go, do whatever you need to do. Well, in the meantime, as they're traveling out of the country of Egypt into the wilderness, uh, the desert, the, Pharaoh changes his mind, and they are after, they are after. Um, Uh, the, the, the children of God. So here's what happens. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Now, before we judge them, how many could understand how they're feeling? They have been walking through this desert, leaving Israel on faith. They don't even know Moses that well. He just came and says, hey, I'm going to lead you out of Egypt. We're going to go to the promised land. Um, not many details. And so now they get there, and now the Red Sea's in front of them and the Pharaoh's Favre, army, the whole army, not just a part of it, the whole army is behind them. They're at a dead end, a cul-de-sac where they can go nowhere. Now, how many might be apart? of the complaining. Don't raise your hands. They've just begun their journey, and all of a sudden, they're in an impossible situation. What would they do? How would God respond? Same chapter, verse 13, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Next verse. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground and walls of water on each side. Miracle. Now, I was raised on the beach, South Padre, in in the Rio Grande Valley, and a beautiful beach, one of the most, the prettiest beach in all of the world. (laughs) If you've ever been there, you know, although I love it. I I could only imagine being at the Gulf of Mexico, if you've ever been to Destin or Panama City, wherever you've been, and just imagine you're right there at the sand, and the waves are just crashing in, and all of a sudden, I mean, it just opens and there's walls of water. How many think that would be cool? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it to be like, wow, this is amazing. What in the world? And they walk through on dry land. Now, miracle. But before we get too excited about miracles, I think that it's important for me to bring context to this story. Because there are other stories in the Bible where a miracle didn't happen. Now, this story happens to be one where it did. And it's easy for us as teachers to go, oh, look at this. See, if you'll just believe, if you'll just put your faith in, if you'll just sow a seed, God will do whatever you ask him to do. It doesn't always happen that way. In this case, it did, and thank you, Lord. Incredible. But let me put on the screen like this to help give us context. Sometimes he allows us to walk through a challenge that is extremely painful, providing peace instead of a miracle. You ever walk through the valley of the shadow of challenge and death, and, and you're just like, I don't know what... God, would you take it away? Like Paul, remember in, in Corinthians, he's talking to God, would you take this away? Three times he asked, would you take it away? You've asked 15. You've asked 30. And it's like, God, I don't understand. They got a miracle. They got a miracle. Why am I not getting a miracle? And sometimes he doesn't come through with the, in the way that you think he will because just maybe he's God and he knows what you need and he just gives you peace so that through the challenge... Your, your faith will grow, James chapter 1. Let me put on the screen like this. Sometimes he allows us to walk through death, providing eternity, another kind of miracle. See, I'm not making light of death. It's, it's horrible, and, and I've lost loved ones. I lost my dad this year. Uh, nobody likes to go through that. Some of you have lost loved ones, and you've been through tragedy of, of unspeakable pain. But as believers we have a, a promise and we have a, 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 a hope that is that this world is not all there is. That death is only the gateway to real life. Death is only the gateway to eternal life. And so sometimes the miracle doesn't come the way that we want it. And death is a result. But death is not the end as believers. Let me put on the screen like this. Sometimes he provides a miracle. Don't be afraid to ask. Sometimes the Lord provides a miracle. And I know some of us were raised in many different denominations and some of you were told miracles don't happen today, God doesn't heal, God doesn't do and I, And I, I disagree, I, I feel sorry that they, they feel that way and believe that way, but I believe God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, what he did for the Israelites, can do for you. He can part C's like nobody else can in your life. And maybe some of you have been through some of the miracles that God has done in your life. And it's just been, wow. And that's what they faced. And they got a miracle. You would think after this miracle, they would be like, okay, okay, man, this God is real. This, this is, this is not, he's not, he's not playing games. He's no joke. We're gonna, we're gonna trust in him. Next event. Number two, food and water miracle. This speaks of provision. There are gonna be times in our lives where only God can come through with a provision that we need. We find this in an, the next two chapters, chapter 16, Exodus chapter 16. Here's what happened. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. Now, listen, they had just walked through on dry ground. Water on both sides. Whoop, whoop. I mean, it's like, wow, this is amazing. God, you're real. Thank you. Two chapters later, not in too many days. So it's not like there's 100 years between the chapter. These are days. And now they find themselves in the desert and they moaned. There, there we sat in Egypt around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Have you ever felt like God abandoned you in your situation? You ever felt like it's like, uh, okay, now you've led me this far, but now I'm hungry. Now I'm, I'm thirsty. Now, how many have ever, if I'm talking about physically, You ever? How, what happens when you get really hungry and there's no food? What happens? How, much, how many attitudes get adjusted, right? How many are like, you know what, uh, you know, you get hangry type of thing. This is where they are. Now, again, before we judge them, I wonder how many of us would have been a part of the complaining. I'm hungry. Let's, let's visit the next chapter. And this is food. The next one is they need water. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the desert wilderness of sin and moved from the place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses, give us water to drink, they demanded. So now we're talking about food and water. And I, I just feel like, so, so again, it's easy to look back at them and go, man, these ungrateful people. How many have kids that are just ungrateful? I don't, but I know you do. Some of you... <laughs> But no matter how much you give them, no matter how much you do, they're just, it's never enough, never enough, never enough. This is, again, like, listen, well, before we look at them and go, man, those people, I think when we do, the magical spiritual mirror pops up. Because I think most of us would be just like them, like, Lord, where are you? Have you left us here in the desert to die? No food, no water? you brought us through the through the sea but but now we're we're starving now we're thirsty we're going to die of thirst next verse then the lord said to moses i have heard the israelites complaints now tell them in the evening you will have meat to eat and in the morning you will have all the bread you want then you will know that i am the lord your god for 40 years this happened every single day except the sabbath for 40 years Next verse, the Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people, take your staff, you've seen the movie, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile back in Egypt and some, and then call the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai, strike the rock and water will come gr- uh, gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told and water gushed out as the elders looked on amazing amazing i mean this is another miracle it's not like oh oh, there's a brook oh there's a river oh we see it now there's a lake no out of nothing a rock i just put a rock in here and we slammed it with a with a staff and all of a sudden water comes gushing out miracle food every morning every night Now there have been times speaking of provision in my life where i have begged the lord asking for provision based on my lack of contentment rather than my need how many have done the same now these people are in a desperate let's just suppose they're in a desperate situation and they're complaining and they're moaning and you know god provides miraculously but i think north dallas our area i'm not making light of of, of people who just don't have enough money to eat because that is happened that happens in our area but i would say for them in a, in a general way most of us have everything we need we just get frustrated based on our lack of contentment or we find ourselves asking for provision based on our poor stewardship. How many still love me? Right, okay. Philippians chapter four, Paul says it like this. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Now, how many of us could say that? I know I couldn't. I mean, I've I've grown so accustomed to next, next, new, big, er, more, er. How many of us are? um, How many of us are in the same thing? Paul says, "I have." Learn how to be content with whatever i have i know how to live on almost nothing or with everything i have learned the secret of living in every situation whether it is with a full stomach or empty with plenty or with little let me put it on the screen like this provision is relative to our level of contentment we can get frustrated with god over not providing the want We get frustrated with God because we have mishandled our money, we have mishandled our stewardship, but yet we are crying out with a fist of bitterness and, and anger and frustration, why aren't you providing? We use scriptures, we, 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 we Jesus-duke God. Never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread, but no, I'm begging for bread. No, you mishandled your money. We, I'm, 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 I mean we, we, we have asked for things that we didn't need believing that he should give it to us like spoiled little brats, right? And I'm putting us all in this category, right? All I'm saying is that there are times in which God does provide, but are we content in his provision? Or are we frustrated for no reason? Sometimes we have enough, even when we already ask, but if you don't, well, then ask him. And, and, and I would just, I'm, I'm going to tackle this at the very end of this message, so stay with me, but I'm going to talk about their, the way in which they ask. And I just believe that it's not pleasing to the Lord the way in which they asked. If you don't have enough, ask. But there's a way to ask, and there's a way not to ask. We'll come back to that in a minute. Third event, right after this event. I mean, next chapter, Chapter seventeen. Facing battles, Spiritual Warfare. I use this term, I use this term caution with caution. Some of us, you come from a charismatic background, and spiritual warfare has been a major teaching, great. Uh, I believe in spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but it can get overdone. It can be super spiritualized, and it doesn't it, it doesn't make sense. And it's just super spiritual out in somewhere land, and, and it doesn't ha, ha, it's not able to be applied to my everyday life, okay? So I use the term because I do believe in it, but here's the story. Here's the event that overlays our events in our life. Exodus chapter 17, verse 5, verse 8. Well, the people of Israel will still, will, were still at Rephidim. The warriors of Amalek, this is another tribe, attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of the nearby hill. Verse 11. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became tired. He could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle. This would be the first of many battles but there's a precedent that there's a foundation that the Lord is trying to establish in their hearts and that is this it wasn't their military might it wasn't their ability or their training it wasn't their warfare it wasn't their weapons it was God and if Moses was in a state of, of worship, I, I'm going to suppose. I don't know if that was really what it was, but he, as he held the, the staff of God in his hand, they would win. If he didn't, they would lose. It wasn't about their might. It wasn't about their ability. It was about God, which tells me that our battles that we deal with are God's too. Let me explain. Ephesians chapter 6. Let me New Testament it. A final, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul writes this epistle. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of who? We don't like to say that name, but it's, it, he's real. For we, are not, ooh, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We are not fighting against our ex-husbands. We're not fighting against our ex-wives. We're not fighting against the Democrats. We're not fighting against the Republicans. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. Enemies. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. And that's where it gets a little spooky. And I just want you to realize and understand that there is an enemy Jesus says in John 10 that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In 1 Peter, he says he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, the devil. So don't you think for one second that the enemy is not after us in a general way, even a more specific way to your life, in in areas that seem physical but are really spiritual. The battles we fight, listen, the battles we fight are real and they are, in a sense, physical. Because how many have ever been through a difficult relationship? And it has been a war. And how many many of us have fought that war, that battle, with the weapons that we have rather than the weapons that God has given us? And we have... Fought eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You gonna to say that about me? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say that about you because I can one up you easily. <laughs> right? I know that was terrible. I know that was like <laughs> ridiculous. Here's what I'm saying: as believers, we don't fight against flesh and blood. Please, please. I'm not trying to be political. Please, please understand his word. That we're not, and, and when we attack in the physical, it never works. Never works. Because it's God's battle. It's, it's his weapon. And you ask, well, then how do I fight? What do I just lay down like a doormat? No. Listen. I'm glad you asked. Ephesians goes on. Paul goes on to say this, and here's what he says: this is how we fight. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy and his scheme and his plan for your life and, and the bitterness that he wants for you, the unforgiving spirit that he wants for you, the grudge, that he, the, the, all the things that he wants for you that, that destroy you and your potential for any healthy relationship after this, any, any potential healthy job after this. Does it make sense what I'm saying? That's what the enemy wants for you. Then after the battle, you will st- be standing firm, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, body armor of God's righteousness, shoes with peace from the good news that so you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil, shield of faith, but on sal- put on salvation as a helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion listen this is how we stand firm this is how we fight this is us with our hands up us fighting this way hands down Uh, you know what i'm talking about when i say that moses hands you know okay so hands up put that list on the screen mike just put them all down just put them just boom 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 Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, God's word, prayer. This is how we fight. This is hands up. You wanna f- fight hands down? Walk in lies. You wanna fight hands down? Walk in unrighteousness. Walk in a lack of peace, lack of forgiveness, no faith, doubt, I'm just gonna make it happen. I'm gonna control it. I'm not gonna trust anybody else because I'm not. Salvation, no, I'm not gonna worry about that. God's word, it doesn't come true prayer. I'm not worried about that. I'm going to take matters in my own hands. See, this is hands down. Hands up. Hands down. No. Hands up. Yeah. Hands down. No. How many still love me? Okay. Good. Good. All right. Number four. Number four. You got to go. Number four, golden calf worship. Now, we all know the story, and it happens in chapter 32. Okay, so stay with me. 32 is a long way from chapter 17. So it seems like, oh, these not, these events are not in order. No, no, they're in specific order. And what happens between 17 and 32 is only Moses and God on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments and the law. So it's a discourse of what's happening on the mountain. Time is just, you know, it, it's weeks, yes, but it's the next event that would happen. Okay, next event Uh, Red Sea, I need food, I need water, battle, and now a fight for control. Exodus chapter 32. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt, So Aaron said, well, then take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, listen to this, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. Now, this is capital, so this is uh, a a version of Yahweh, but it's it's only consonants, and they don't even pronounce that word, uh, the Jewish people, because it's so holy. So so what Aaron's doing is mixing the two. He's like, oh, you like the calf? Okay, but then he's thinking, oh man, I'm going to get in trouble. We're going to make a festival to the Lord, okay? So they're all confused. Aaron's got this whole thing really confused. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, listen to this, they celebrated with fasting and drinking, feasting, sorry, feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. Now, okay, so I'm reading these stories, right, over and over and over again, and and I'm reading the the challenge of of the Red Sea, and I'm thinking, Okay, I can put myself in that situation, and I can see how I would be, like, freaked out. You? I can put myself in being hungry and thirsty. I mean, not like, like, I've already had breakfast, but it's lunch, and it's 1.30. You know what I'm saying? A little bit late, and so now I'm like, I'm talking about maybe days and really hungry. I could put myself in that situation, and I know, I know that I'd be complaining. I can put myself in the battle and and totally not not battle correctly, hands down. This one was harder to defend. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I looked at what they said. These are the gods that brought us out of Egypt. And at first glance, I'm looking at this, I'm going, I don't think I'd do that. I mean, that's ridiculous. They have seen God part the Red Sea... They had been provided for every day with food in the morning and food at night, water in miraculous ways, battles won in miraculous ways. What more do they need to understand that God is real? That was my first thought. My second thought was, I think I'm more like them than I think. And I think you are too. I'm on the screen like this. What do we do when it feels like God's taking too long? Have you ever been in a situation where maybe you got yourself there, bad decisions, you know, sin of, of some sort? Maybe you didn't. Maybe somebody else sinned, and you're like, huh. And so you go to the Lord, and, and nothing day after day after day, and you're praying, you're praying, you're praying, and nothing. What do we do when we feel like God's taking too long? This is where they are. They're, they're, Moses has gone up the mountain. They don't even know, they don't know about the Ten Commandments. They don't know that Charlton Heston's coming down. You know what I'm saying? They don't know that, the, that God's going to write on stone They don't know any of that. They're just waiting, 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 day after day. Listen, when you look at it through the eyes of your own life, it's harder to judge them, at least for me. What do we do when it feels like God is taking too long? Let me put it on the screen like this. Many times we take matters into our own hands, reaching for things to replace God. no I don't yes you do and I do what do I mean we rush into decisions that and and we make decisions based out of frustration rather than wisdom we rush into a decision because we're like okay God I need to know, do I need to move? Do I not need to move? Do I need to take this job? And then he doesn't really answer. He didn't give us any peace. So we say, I'm just going to make a decision and I'm going to do it. And oh man, we reap reap what we sow and it's like, man, I wish I would have waited. Because what are we trying to do? We're trying to take matters in our own hands. Some of us are dating people that we should not be dating and you know it. But you're like there are no good men anymore I'll just take one (laughs) there are no good women anymore I'll just take one some of us are considering marrying somebody that we know we shouldn't out of frustration believing that God is not going to come through many of us are in a marriage and we are done and some, sometimes rightfully so, so please don't, I'm not judging anybody. I'm, I know every situation is different, but sometimes we're in marriages where we're just like, I'm done, I'm frustrated. We don't make a decision birthed out of prayer and wisdom. We make a decision birthed out of frustration and anger. Now do you understand how much like we are them? And I know we don't make little golden calves and put it in our living room or our movie room and dance all around it and worship and do things like that, but we replace God in many, many ways. We partner with people in business that we should not partner with based out of, I need their money. It's not gonna happen unless they are my partner. And so... Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm not, please, I'm, I'm trying to help us. I'm trying to help us. And I'm in the same situation as all of us, learning as I go. I'm preaching to myself more than I'm preaching to you. Do you understand? So I'm not, you know, being mean to you. I'm just saying that we all do this. So before we look back at the Exodus and before we look at the children of Israel going, those idiots, I, I really feel like we just got to look in the mirror and say, God, in what ways am I just like them? And it's hard. All of this is called control, and it's also called idolatry. And we, I know we don't like that word, but it is. Now, I said all that. Those are the four events. Red Sea, needed a miracle. Manna and water, food and water, needed provision. Battles, we need to learn how to fight them. Um, golden calf, we need to learn how to release control rather than take it, to humbly say, God, I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust that you have somebody for me. I am going to trust that the money is going to come through in another way that is healthier and that is more in line with my values and my business, right? So there's so many, so many circumstances, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to wait. I'm going to do that. So those are the four events. Now, let me give you the bottom line for today and we're done. Trust and attitude. Let me put it another way. Let me ask questions. Are we going to trust God or not? And again, you would think that after the Red Sea, notwithstanding the miracles they saw in Egypt, the water turned to blood, the the plagues not affecting them, I mean, all the miracles they saw Moses do in Egypt, then we get to the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army, Red Sea, what's going to happen? Oh, God's just going to, wow. Guys, can I just tell you, many times in our lives, you've seen God come through. You've seen God be faithful. How much more do you need? Let me say it this way. How much more do we need? Are we going to trust God or not? And attitude. Are we going to approach God with an attitude of humility or pride? Now, here's what I mean by this. It isn't wrong to get frustrated. Okay, God's not intimidated by our questions or our frustration. We're human. And there are hurtful things that happen to us, painful things that happen to us. Things that are not our fault and we didn't ask for, and it's not fair, right? I mean, that's true. It's not wrong to sit back and go, What What did I do? But rather than the attitude of the children of Israel, who, You brought us out here to die, we're hungry, we're thirsty. Where's he at? We're not, we're tired of waiting. We're going to just take control. Instead of the attitude of frustration and bitterness and, God, you owe me, what, what if we just said, God, I don't understand what's going on right now in my circumstances because they're not fair. I know I'm not perfect, but I didn't ask for this. Some of you, your spouse just did something ridiculous, and, and now you're left holding the kids and, and holding the finances together barely i mean there's so many things that you could just go this isn't and it's not fair it's not right and it's not wrong for you to be frustrated it's not wrong for you to be hurt it's not wrong for you to feel things but i do think it's unwise of us as we look at this story how the mistrust they had and sometimes the mistrust that we have and the attitudes that they had, sometimes the attitude that we have. What if we we just said, Lord, I don't understand what's going on right now, but I don't wanna fight the battle in the wrong way. I wanna fight the battle in the right way. And I'm frustrated, I'm on the verge of anger, but I'm gonna trust you because you're a God who is faithful. We sang that song, that last song we sang, he's always good. And some of you can't sing those lines because you just wonder, is he always good? What if we just said, God, I want to trust you no matter what the circumstances look like. And even when I don't understand the circumstances, I'm going to have an attitude of humility rather than pride. You you are God and I'm not rather than you owe me. So maybe you're here today, and your step of trust is salvation. In other words, what I mean by that is you've never accepted the invitation from God to be forgiven of your sins, to be reconciled to the Father, and have eternal life. And I said a lot, that's a lot there, but you're here today, and you've never committed your life, surrendered your life to the Lordship, to the to a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and His power to... Forgive us of our sins and, and give us eternal life. Maybe that's your step today. And I pray that at the end of this message, you would take that step and say, God, that's the trust that I need. I need to cross that line of faith. Some of us are already believers, but yet we mistrust God way more than we trust him. And some of us have attitudes that are terrible. And I'm saying, I, I, I'm, this summer on that trip, I, my attitude was Terrible. And I was like, good night. And some of us do that with God. Lord, your word is cutting. I mean, it's like a knife that cuts, and that's not a bad thing. Because it cuts between the, the things that we want and the things that we control between the things or against the things that you want and you control. So let your word cut us today. Let it discipline us, correct us. Not because you don't love us, but because you do. And you have a plan that's better than a hands-down way to fight a battle. Many of us have put our faith in other things other than you. Thinking that government is going to be able to do something for us. Thinking that, that a political system is going to do something for us. When all the while you're saying, guys, would you trust me? So Lord, we surrender today. As unbelievers who are not yet crossing that line, we trust you today. And as believers, we come back to you are good. And help us to have an attitude that pleases you, even when we don't understand. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in our lives, right here, right now, as it is in heaven.